with you. So here is what the author of Hebrews said in Hebrews 11, 8 to 11. By faith, Abraham, who when called to go to the place he would later receive as an inheritance or as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Amen. Amen. Can we read verse 10 together? For he was looking forward toward the city with foundation, whose architect and builder is God. Amen. We've been in the book of Hebrews now for over a year. And um, again, the book of Hebrews is written to people who were Jewish, and then they became Christian, and because of persecution, they wanted to go back to Judaism. So the author of Hebrews wrote that book to them to warn them never to consider going back to Judaism. In his uh, argument, he spent pretty much the bulk of his letter, the first almost 10 chapters, arguing theology, how Christianity and Christ is superior to Judaism and the principles of approaching God through uh, Judaism. And again, the idea here is, if Christianity is superior, if Christ is superior, don't leave what is superior to do to go to what is inferior. And then from chapter 10, verse 19, all the way till the end of the, the, end of the book, he's giving them practical tips on how they can live their life, lives in the face of persecution that they are facing. And in chapter 11, the whole theme of that chapter is to live by faith. This is how they should their lives, to live their lives by faith. He spent verse 1 and 2 uh, pretty much uh, talking about what faith is, right? And um, we have that translated into our own wording. What, how do we define faith as Franconia Community Church? Faith is action based on trust in the actual promises of God. Amen? Action based on trusting the actual word of God. Then the author of Hebrews went on and on to give them one example after the other how all the Old Testament saints lived their lives by faith. We have seen him talk about the faith of Abel, right? And the faith of Enoch, and the faith of Noah, and now we have arrived to the faith of Abraham. We started last week in that, and we talked about the call of Abraham. Amen? Amen. Today we're going to talk about uh, the obedience of Abraham. And next week, we're going to talk about the inheritance of Abraham, okay? So today, we're just going to focus on how Abraham was obedient to God. It says this in, in Hebrews 11:8, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance. He did what? He obeyed and went. Now, in order for us to uh, explore the obedience of Abraham, I want to highlight three points from that text here. We want to talk about the manifestation of Abraham's obedience. We want to talk about the trust in Abraham's obedience. And we want to talk about the reward of Abraham's obedience. Amen? Amen? So what are the three points today? The manifestation, the trust of his obedience, and the reward of his obedience. How did Abraham manifest his obedience to God? It says here in verse 11, uh, Hebrews 11, 8. How did he manifest that he's obeying God? He obeyed and, uh, and went, right? When Abraham wanted to obey God, he 
did what God want him to do, right? He didn't say, yeah, God, I will obey. And then he stayed where he was. But he listened to the word of God and he acted on the word of God. Amen? Now, Abraham, as when you read his story in the Old Testament, just like us, he's full of weakness. He wasn't sometimes very obedient to God. Sometimes he would sin and lie about Sarah a couple of times because he just was afraid that he might get in trouble because of her. Say whatever you want to say about Abraham. He was definitely just like you and me, a man of weakness. But the one thing about Abraham that you'll notice throughout his life is that he was a man of obedience. Amen? He obeyed God. Abraham was a man of faith because he was a man of obedience. You guys are with me. You want to be a man of God? You want to be a man of faith? Obey God. Act on his word. Do you want to be a woman of God? A woman of faith? Obey God by acting on his word and his promises. Amen? Let's look at the life of Abraham. It all starts with chapter 12, verse 1 and 4. And that's what the author of Hebrews is referring to here. He said, the Lord, we read that in Genesis, the Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. And what does verse 4 says? So Abraham went as the Lord told him. He obeyed. And we see the exact same phrase, as God spoke to him, as the Lord spoke to him. Again, in Genesis 17, 23. Now God is making a covenant with Abraham and he said that the sign of the covenant is that you should circumcise every male in your household. What does Abraham do? Listen to that. Genesis 17, 23. And Abraham took Ishmael his son and all that were born in his house and circumcised the flesh of their foreskin in the uh, selfsame day as God did what? Has said to him. And later on in 21, Genesis 21, 4, when Isaac was born, he also circumcised him in the eighth day as God has commanded him. Now, when Isaac was born, Ishmael, start giving, uh, Ishmael and Hagar start giving Isaac and Sarah a hard time. So Sarah went to Abraham and said, dismiss the, the bondservant and her son. Abraham didn't like that very much. It's still his son. And read this with me in Genesis uh, 21, 11 to 14. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. Look at verse 12. But God said to him, do not be distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you. And what does Abraham do? Verse 14. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and skin of water and gave them to Hagar. And he dismissed her according to to the word of the Lord. You guys are with me? And obviously the climax of his obedience to God was in Genesis 22. When God asked that Abraham would give him Isaac, his one and only son. Genesis 22, 2-3. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. No question about it. There is no doubt here. It is Isaac. And go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain. I will show you. What does Abraham do in response to God? Verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded the donkey. And he went and took Isaac with him to sacrifice him according to the word of the Lord. Abraham was a man of obedience. Whatever God would ask, 
he would do. He was a man of weakness, but he was still a man of obedience. Amen? And how did Abraham demonstrate his obedience to God throughout his life? By not just listening to what God is saying, but by acting on what God was saying. You guys are with me? And this is what even Jesus pointed out, the, the exact same thing. He said, you want to obey me? Act on what I'm asking you to do. Don't just say, yes, Lord, I hear you, and then under, even understand it, but don't act on it. This is not real obedience when it comes to the commanded, commandment of God. Jesus said that in Matthew 21, 28 to 31. Look at the parable that Jesus was telling his hearers. He said this, Jesus said to the chief priests and elders, what do you think about this? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go to work today in the vineyard. The son answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the other son and, and said to him the same. The son answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two sons did his father's will? Which one you guys think? The first one, even though he said, I will not go, but ultimately because he repented and he went, this is the one who is truly obedient to his father. And the second one, he said, yes, Lord, I will do it. Yes, sir, I will do it. Was he obedient to his father? No. Nope. He, did, he was not obedient to his father. You guys follow what I'm trying to say? You want to obey God? Don't come here to church on Sunday morning, raise your hands and say, I will obey you, Lord, no matter what. Your obedience to God is manifested Monday through Saturday when you're acting on the word of God. Not just by coming here among group of Christians and say, I will obey. No question about it. There's no question in my mind. You guys are with me. You obey by acting on God's word. Right. Amen. And the one command I want to highlight, just because I feel this is the most neglected command in the church, is when Jesus said, go preach the gospel. You guys are with me. This is a command from God that we should go and tell people about Jesus. Right. This is not to come to church and when the pastor say, we need to tell people about Jesus, everybody claps and say, yes, absolutely, we should tell people about Jesus. And everybody is happy at the church that we should tell people about Jesus. This is a command for you and me to obey Monday through Saturday. You want to obey God? Tell somebody about Jesus. Amen? Don't cheer the pastor when he say, we should preach the gospel. This is not obedience to God. Don't even raise your hand. In, in an essence, it's a good thing, but this is not really what obedience is. Don't come to the church, raise your hand and say, I will do it, Lord, and then go out and not do it. You're going to be like the first son who say, yes, I will do it, and never actually get it done. Amen? Luke 6, uh, 46. This is what Jesus said. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, yet fail to hear what I tell you? Did he say that? No. Nope. What does Jesus say? Let's read it together. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, yet fail to hear what I tell you? Lord, to, do. to do what I tell you. Jesus did not say, why do you call me Lord, Lord, yet fail to hear what I'm telling you? Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, yet fail to do what I tell you? Yeah. Amen? When Jesus said, go preach the gospel, then you need to do what he's commanding us to do. Amen? Mm -hmm. Don't come to church and raise your hand and say, I'll give you every second of my life. I'll, every waking moment is yours. I'm all yours, Lord God. And yet you leave the church and don't do what he has commanded us to do. Amen? Whatever your method, whatever your personality, I'm not dictated how you do it, but you need to get it done. Amen? 
You want to obey God, you do what he has commanded us to do. Abraham manifested his obedience to God when he did that, what God has commanded him to do. Amen? Amen? So we see the manifestation of obedience, but we also see the trust of obedience in the life of Abraham. Obeying God in the life of Abraham wasn't an easy thing. Amen? Abraham has to trust God a lot in order to act on his word and on his command. I want to highlight two things here. I want to tell you that Abraham's obedience was a sacrificial one. And Abraham's obedience was an immediate one. Amen? Mm -hmm. Abraham's obedience was a sacrificial one. Now, think about it. Genesis 12. Granted that we talked last week that he already knows that he's supposed to leave. But at that point, 75 years old man, right? Settled in his way. Living in a big metropolitan area. He probably was a bit wealthy at that point. Everything is set in his life. And now God is saying, back up and go. And he's like, okay, God, I will do it. And he actually go out and do it. Amen? I mean... If God asks you and me to move from one city to another city, that's a lot of hassle, especially if you don't know where you're going to go, right? Or what you're going to do. Now imagine God is saying, after you're already settled in your way, back up and go, and I will tell you later what to do. That takes a lot of trust and a lot of sacrifice to obey the word of God. Amen? And that's in an essence what the author of Hebrews is telling us here, that he lived in tents with his sons, and his, uh, his son Isaac, and his grandson Jacob, and he was traveling from one place to another. Even in his own land, he was a foreigner the idea here is obeying God and walking and following God was was hard for Abraham it wasn't an easy life that Abraham has left there is famine he goes to Egypt and then he gets trouble so he leaves Egypt it's a life on the go it is not a life of somebody who's settled and everything is going well you guys are with me obeying God in the life of Abraham was demanded sacrifice this is the kind of obedience that Abraham showed God and talking about sacrifice in Genesis 22 when God asked him to give his one and only son. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know about you. But if God give you a promise like Abraham, say, I'm going to give you a son and I'm going to give you all my promises through him. And you wait for that promise, not year, not two, not five, not ten, not twenty, twenty-five years waiting on that promise. And then when you finally get that son, God comes to you and say, now give him back to me. I don't know about you, but I will not be very happy with that. Amen? I'll be like, God, are you kidding me? What is this? Are you going to do it or are you not going to do it? You're toying with me. You said I'm going to do it. You give me the son and now you're taking him back from me. This is not good. This is sacrificial. Sacrifice that I have to do in order to obey God. And think about it this way. In Genesis 22, when God came to Abraham and demanded Isaac from him, at that point, he has already dismissed Ishmael. So at that point, if he truly would have sacrificed Isaac, he would end up with no kids at 100 years old. And now he starts from scratch, have to, to start to trust in God from scratch. That is not an easy sacrifice. You guys are with me? The obedience that Abraham showed God was a sacrificial one. He obeys no matter what it costs. If it means inconvenience, if it means being a, a foreigner traveling in lands that he doesn't even know, he'll do it. If it means giving the one thing that he dearly loves, he'll do it no matter what God asked, Abraham was willing to sacrifice. Amen? Amen. Now, in Hebrews 11, 8, when, when the author of Hebrews said that Abraham obeyed, that takes us back, if you remember, we talked about the word obedience was mentioned in the book of Hebrews before in Hebrews 5, 8 to 9. 
right? That is the only other incident so far would read the word obedience. And in Hebrews 5, 8 to 9, it talks about the obedience of Christ, right? We talked about this. It says this in Hebrews 5, 8 to 9. Son, though he was, Jesus, being the son of God, he learned obedience from what he suffered, right? We talked about this before. I'm not going to go back and preach it again. But the word suffered in Hebrews is always associated with the cross. Every time there is suffering, Christ's suffering in Hebrews is always associated with his death on the cross. So the author of Hebrews here is saying this, that Christ's obedience to God was a sacrificial kind of obedience. Actually, Christ obeyed God so much so, even to the point of death, the death of the cross, as Paul told us in Philippians chapter 2. Amen? The sacrifice that Christ showed to God was a sacrificial obedience, so much so that he was willing to endure the cross just to be obedient to God. Amen? And then the author of Hebrews tells us this, once made perfect, he becomes, he became the source of eternal salvation to all those who obey him. him. Remember what we said back then? The author of Hebrews, by using the word obey and apply it to Christ, and using the same word obey and apply it to you and me, the author of Hebrews is saying this, Christ is the source of obedience to only those who show the exact same level of obedience that Christ has shown the Father when he endured the cross. In other words, the author of Hebrews say that Christ is demanding the exact same kind of radical obedience that he has shown him, himself has shown to God the Father. Amen? And now the author of Hebrews is linking that to the obedience of Abraham as an example. Between Christ and between Abraham, the author of Hebrews' message is pretty clear. Amen? God is demanding radical obedience from his children. Manifested in the life of Christ, expected by Christ, and also shown and manifested through the life of Abraham. Amen? Sacrificial, radical obedience. That's the kind of obedience that God asks from us. But number two, Abraham's obedience was also an immediate obedience. Now, William Lane wrote that commentary about the book of Hebrews, and I just love what he said here. If you go back to Hebrews 11:8, it says this, by faith... Abraham, when called, he obeyed. Now, the English here is not very good. The Greek, the word when called, is actually present passive participle. Long word means pretty much it should be translated being called. You guys are with me? That's the literal wording in Greek. Being called, he obeyed. What the author of Hebrews is trying to point out here is how immediate was the response of Abraham to the calling of God. Before God even finished calling him, he obeyed and he left his land to go and follow God. You guys are with me? Abraham's obedience was not just a sacrificial obedience, it was an immediate obedience. And the author of Hebrews talked about it here, but we can see also that pattern throughout the life of Abraham. Go back with me to the previous page. We're going to read a couple of verses here. In Genesis 21, when God is asking that he will dismiss um, uh, Ishmael and Hagar, in verse 14, look what it starts with. It says, Early the next morning, Abraham. Um, early the next morning, Abraham took 
I'm sorry, I've lost the line. Abraham took some food and skin of water and gave it to Hagar early next morning. Abraham was not hesitant. He didn't take time. He tried, didn't try to milk it as much as possible. Right away, when God said dismiss Ishmael and Hagar early next morning, he does it. Amen? Genesis 22, the exact same pattern in Abraham's obedience. We, did, we see the exact same thing in verse 3. God says, give me Isaac, your one and only son. Kill him for me. What does Abraham do in verse 3? Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded the donkey. Early next morning. I don't know about you, but if God would ask me for one of my kids, I probably would not be fixing the alarm that night. You guys are with me? But Abraham wasn't like that. When God commands, Abraham immediately obeys the voice of God. Abraham's obedience was a sacrificial one. Abraham's obedience was an immediate one. And in doing both, sacrificing and responding right away, Abraham showed how much he trusts the word and the command and the promises of God. Amen? Amen. So we're talking about two things so far when it comes to Abraham's obedience. We talked about the manifestation of obedience, and we talked about the trust of obedience. Let's close with this thought. The reward of his obedience. How did God reward Abraham when he obeyed him? Did God give Abraham the promised land because Abraham obeyed? No, nope, not at all. The author of Hebrews said that he walked around as a stranger in a land. He knew that God has promised him this land, but he did not receive none of this land. As a matter of fact, let's take a look back in Genesis 12. It is phenomenal what God did here. Let's go, read with me here. Genesis 12, 1 to 4. Here is the first time God is calling Abraham, okay? God is saying this. The scripture says this. And the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you, right? I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make you a great name. And uh, you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you. And all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went. Is there any promise here in Genesis 12, 1 to 4? God is telling Abraham, I will give you a promised land, or I promise you any land. No, not at all, right? All what God is saying here when he called Abraham before so that Abraham would leave, God says, I will just bless you. Follow me, and I will bless you, right? God didn't tell him how or promise him any land. When did God actually promise Abraham the land? When he arrived to Canaan, we read that later in that chapter, in chapter 12, verse uh, 6 to 7. Abraham traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of uh, Moriah, Morah, at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Verse 7, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your offering, I will give this land. You guys are with me. God promised Abraham the land already after he arrived there, not before he go. You guys are with me? I just love how F.F. Bruce put it this way. He said, the promise of the inheritance was not given to Abraham before he left his homeland as an incentive to his obedience. The promise to that land was given to Abraham as a reward of his obedience. You guys are with me? God did not tangle a, a great reward like right now. Kezia was just sitting with me and I would say, 
Cassia, let me preach, and you know, when I go home, I'll take you out on a date. So I have to give her an incentive so she can obey me and go and be with, with her mommy and with, or Regina. You guys are with me? This is not how God did it with, with Abraham. God just commanded Abraham, and he obeyed, not having any incentives to obey God, except his word, that ultimately down the road, God will bless him. But then when Abraham obeyed and he went to that land of Canaan, now God came to him and he told him, because you obeyed, here is your reward. You're going to have this land. You guys are with me? Amen? Yes. Now, how much of the land Abraham actually inherited? Well, the book of Acts tells us that. Stephen, when he was about to be uh, about to be stoned, it says this. After the death of his father, Abraham, God sent him to the land where he's now, where he uh, where you are now living, he gave him no inheritance there, not even enough ground to sit his foot on. This is how much land Abraham has himself inherited. Not even enough land to put his foot on. You guys are with me. Abraham lived his life throughout by faith, trusting God. And even though God promised the land to his offspring, he did not receive even enough to put his foot on. Let me pause here and then we'll come back to this. That kind of like presents a problem. I was looking at it yesterday. That kind of presented a problem because later in Genesis 13, 15, and later on as well in Genesis 17, 8, we see that God is promising Abraham the land, Abraham himself. It says this, Genesis 13, 15. For all the land which thou seest, to thee I will give it and to your seed forever. So here we have a promise from God that Abraham will have part of that land. And that promise was repeated again in Genesis 17. But how come the promise of God to Abraham to receive part of the land was not fulfilled? Well, let's, let's, let's think about that. Remember God's original promise in, in Genesis 12, even before Abraham left. The Lord appeared to Abraham and he said to him, unto, not to you, but unto your seed that I will give this land. You guys are with me? And he repeated the same promise again in Genesis 15, verse 18. God promised that the land would not be given to Abraham, but will be given to his seed. So that appears to contradict the other two references in 13.15 and 17.8. But they can be reconciled together. Most commentators put it this way. That God gave to Abraham the right to the land, but the manifestation of the position was actually given to his children. Right? Or the other way of looking at it is this. God explains himself when he said, to you and to your seed, Literally, the way it should be understood is this, to you through your seed, or when I give it to your seed, you kind of going to receive it in the same way. You guys are with me? And it makes perfect sense that this is what God meant when he, and this is how even Abraham understood it. Because later on, when Abraham wanted to send um, uh, Eleazar the Damascus, the head of his household, to find Rebekah for Isaac, look how Abraham commissioned him. That's in Genesis 24-7. Now, this is how Abraham perceived the promises of God. The Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kin uh, kindred, and which spake unto me, and that swore unto me, I'm, I'm, I don't know why I'm quoting King James a lot this time, and swore unto me saying, unto thy seed, I, unto what? Thy seed, I will give this land, and he shall send his angel before you. So Abraham understood the promises of God that this land is not for himself, it's mainly from his seed. And this is what he told Eleazar the Damascus. You guys are with me? So when God promised in these two incidents, Genesis 13, 15 and Genesis 17, 8, that Abraham will inherit the land. 
in a way he will inherit it through his seed. Or when the seed inherit the land, as if Abraham has inherited the land. Amen? So what was the reward of Abraham's obedience to leave his land and go to the land of Canaan and travel there? Nothing. nothing. Really nothing. He didn't get nothing out of it, right? Actually, if anything, he got trouble out of it. It was harder for him. He would have been much better off, I mean, looking at it from our physical, with our physical eyes, staying where he was. It's more comfortable there. But Abraham was not looking to this land. He was looking to that land. You guys are with me? And even though he did not have a tangible reward in his hand of obeying God, he obeyed God anyways. Amen? Obeying God, no matter what you receive out of it, you obey God not because you're expecting something out of God. You obey God because you should obey God. Amen? Because he's a good God. He's a faithful God. You trust him. You obey him. Whether you re reap the fruit of your reward or not, you trust him no matter what and you obey him no matter what. Amen? Mm -hmm. And this is the obedience of Abraham. The manifestation of obedience, the trust of obedience and the reward of obedience. I mean, honestly, like even for us to like keep on praying for the lost and keep on trying to witness to people, and we're not seeing any fruit, are we? We're not seeing anything, right? But I want to encourage us. Abraham was faithful, who obeyed God, even though it was harder for him to obey God. Let's do the exact same thing. Amen? Amen. Let's obey God and his command, even if we don't see tangible fruit. God is faithful, and he will reverse that situation. Amen. But till he does, let's not obey because because of the reward we obey because of who he is and because of what he has asked us to do amen yeah. all right let's close our eyes and pray